people have to be able to take care of themselves. People cannot show up, but we're, you know, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically just done and do well. And I wouldn't want that. I don't, that's not the kind of person that I am. I don't want to at all ever watch someone burning themselves out and not stop them and say, hey, let's like, there's options, you know, there's, there's always options. Welcome to another episode of the Women in Utilities podcast. I'm your host, Madhavi Shankarling, and today I'm joined by Kate Porter, the Director of Continuous Improvement at Centerpoint Energy. Kate is a licensed industrial engineer who has worked in utilities nearly her entire career. She describes herself as a people person who's empathetic and who sometimes ends up on a soapbox at work for issues she's passionate about. We talk about reframing mistakes and failures as learning opportunities, having the confidence to embrace your own unique voice and bringing it to the table, and how Kate has been very intentional in achieving balance, truly appreciating that, and finding joy in what she does. Okay, let's get to it and hear more from Kate. Welcome to the podcast, Kate. Thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. Could you please tell me a little bit about the organization you work for and what your role is within that? Sure. I work for Centerpoint Energy. We are a utility located in the U.S. We're in um, eight states. Um, We're combined gas and electric. We have about 9,500 or so employees. So my role is um, I'm the director of continuous improvement. So I'm responsible for the department that engages in helping to expand an understanding of an implementation of lean methodologies hopefully arcing towards operational excellence ultimately. But for now, it's, you know, facilitating, you know, various workshops, projects, events around improvements, and then also, you know, trying to get visual management and strategic business unit planning in place. Excellent. And so how long have you been in this uh, this role, the Director of Continuous Improvement? Yeah, this one started, I mean, it's been recent, gosh, maybe May. So when I, I moved into the Director of Safety Management Systems, Continuous Improvement was within that group. but as we decided to expand continuous improvement, it, it, it became apparent we would need to, to split the two. And so I ended up going off and leading the, the continuous improvement group. Um, and that split happened probably, gosh, maybe May recently. And what's been your path to get to where you are today? I am a licensed industrial engineer. So first out of college, um, I actually taught math. There's a long time where I thought I was either going to end up you know, majoring in like math or physics or something. I really like the theoretical sciences, but I knew I wanted to go out and get a job, you know, in like kind of the quote real world. Like I didn't want to end up, you know, in a think tank. And so, so I switched over to engineering and and went with industrial, but right after I graduated, I was not a great interviewee. I was pretty awkward. And um, so although my grades were okay, um, I had a difficult time getting a job. So I taught actually for a while. And then I got a job with UPS. Um, They hire a lot of industrial engineers. And I'm sure you can imagine it's a lot of logistical work. And I'd been there a couple of years. And um, my hours at the time there were were long. (laughs) And and, and it it was getting to be a lot. And a friend of mine said, I think you would really, really love the utility industry. She was working, a friend of Michael College was working as a design engineer uh, at Centerpoint. And so, um, you know, she said, I'm about to leave my position and, and move into a different department. You know, I can 
give them your name if you're interested. And so I, I said, well, sure, that sounds kind of cool. So I applied for it, interviewed and got the job. And, and I, I really enjoyed it kind of off the bat. And so I did that for several years, um, stayed in the engineering department. We do rotational programs, which I think are great. But, you know, every time one would come up, they'd ask me, um, do you want to go? And I was like, well, I mean, I will, but I, I like it here too. So I kind of stuck around in engineering for a while and eventually led, um, led a team in engineering. And then, um, gosh, I, I had two young kids and decided to take a leave of absence so that I could spend a little more time with them. And then after that, I came back in under um, integrity management and I led the integrity management team um, for a while. And then we merged with another organization and picked up some SMS skill sets. We'd had some existing, but they were a little bit probably more evolved. And so as we were trying to um, expand that into the sort of legacy company, um, that work was started by Nancy Condor and, um, and then she moved on to another role. And so I kind of picked up um, where she left off and continued that work. And then with some changes in leadership, you know, the company really wanted to expand the continuous improvement organization to um, try and really use that to fuel, you know, a healthier business. And so um, I moved over into the role that I'm in now to, to work on help expanding it um, and really kind of getting it the organization charged and excited about it and, and growing it. You mentioned earlier that when you were younger, you didn't feel that you interviewed well. Have you been able to reach a point now where you feel more confident when you're in interviews? Oh, it couldn't be more different if it tried. I mean, <laughs> I was so um, uncomfortable and self-conscious and not only that, but I was uncomfortable and self-conscious about being that way. So there was just this on top of me being awkward. There's this layer of full self-awareness and focus on the fact that I'm awkward. And, you know, these I'm still awkward. I mean, I, you know, you've, we've talked for not long, but I mean, the more people get to know me, I can be a little bit out there sometimes. I can be a little awkward. I can be outside the box quite a bit sometimes. And I've embraced that. And so now I kind of just, I'm just like, this is, this is who I am and this is what you're going to get. Um, and so my ability as I get older to be more and more okay with that um, has definitely <laughs> dramatically changed the way that I interview. Oh, excellent. Yeah, and I think that's a really uh, a really hard thing. When you're younger, you feel like you need to fit into a mold. Yes. Um, and then as you mature and get older, you start to sort of recognize that you need to just be you. And you need to share that with everyone. Yeah, authenticity. I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm even emotional. When I was in integrity management, I would get really passionate about safety, and we have to do the right thing. And I just, I get very into these topics. You know, um, um, a gal from corporate communications recently was helping me to craft something to share with a larger group, and. And they made some recommendations and she came in my office and I just got on the soapbox about how, you know, we are here to support the people and just on and on. And, you know, she, after she's listened to me just go for like 15 minutes, I said, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know that's not what you came here for, but you got it anyway. <laughs> Thank you for supporting me, even though I am the way I am. You know, I just kind of. 
I'm passionate. And sometimes I joke about things and sometimes I, you know, go on a uh, long diatribe about the importance of certain things. I, I'm not as um, polished, maybe, as some leaders are. And so I, I definitely for a while thought, gosh, there's no way I will ever move up in any organization because I can't not be the way that I am. I can't turn from who I am today into someone that, you know, is my image of a very polished, keeps coming to mind, buttoned up, very, um, stays very much within the rails, very much within a certain guideline and framework. I can't always be that. Embracing that side of my personality has has kind of been a journey because I felt that it was so wildly inappropriate for corporate America for so long. It's my personality. I have to always go back to who I am and what I believe. And, um, and I don't know how to navigate out of that into someone else. And so I was like, well, you know, I guess there'll just be a point at which I just stop because I can't become that. And I haven't, I keep waiting, you know, <laughs> and I haven't hit the ceiling yet. <laughs> okay. So you found that you have progressed. Yes. I was shocking. <laughs> Every time they asked me to go do something, I'm like, you want me to do that? I'm a hot mess. Like, <laughs> not, in, like not, in a, not in the sense that I create problems, but I mean, I, I will yeah. say it like I think it, you know, <laughs> and I'll joke a little bit and I'll have some uncomfortable conversations if I need to. Um, That's actually maybe like your superpower. It's what people value about you and um, appreciate that you bring that. It could be. I remember I was talking to one of my friends one time. I had said something and I was like, man, I do not know why I have to say those things because there are, you know, most of the time I have the ability to, you know, tweak it, you know, between my head and my mouth. Like I am mature enough that I don't just throw everything out there. Right. I'm, I'm, that's a maturity thing. But there are times, just random times where it just comes on out anyway. And <laughs> it was one of those days where I was like, God, looking back at the conversation, why did I say that? And I asked my friend and she was like, well, maybe someone had to say it and no one else was going to. So you just, you know, it got to be you today, you know, <laughs> maybe. Maybe there was a reason that needed to be said and it wasn't going to come out of anyone else's mouth but yours. So lucky you, you know, <laughs> and, and I started to kind of view it a little more that way instead of thinking, you know, man, I screwed up. I can't believe I said that it's a little more of, well, I guess it just needed to be said. And I was the one that said it today. So, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Cause that's certainly something that I'm currently struggling with at the moment myself, where I think, oh, should I say that? Did, does this sound like the way that other leaders are speaking? And I think it's really hard to really start to get comfortable with speaking with your own voice and sharing your own thoughts. Uh, and it's really great to hear that when you've done that, it hasn't stopped you from progressing. No, it's, and what's funny is that I feel like the more I'm willing to make those mistakes, there's some value that comes out of it. I was engaged in a series where they talked about, you know, sort of failing your way to success and, and the importance of failure. And I remember there was this major project that I was on and, and this sort of beautiful model came out of it. But because of geospatial issues, those challenges prevented us from being able to fully implement the solution. And I remember thinking, and I was the one that delivered the news. Hey, you know what? I don't actually think we're going to be able to end up using it. 
and here's why, you know, but I remember um, thinking, it, God, it would be real easy for them to just be like, well, that, we're not going to promote her. You know, that didn't work out. And I ended up like after that kind of becoming our in-house sort of for the, for the space that I operated in the risk modeling expert. Because we learned, I learned so much going through that experience that I did know more than anybody else. And and so I, I go back to, was that a mistake or was that the most amazing learning opportunity ever that, you know, sort of positioned me to be an expert? And and so on that same thread is, you know, as I, as I progress in my career and I think back on the, you know, stupid things I said, the mistakes I made, the things I did wrong, they've all been learning experiences. I've heard this acronym recently for FAIL, which is first attempt in learning. I thought, well, that's a great way to look at it. I love that. I love that. And I've never been afraid. And again, this, I think, goes back to the way that I was raised. I I was never, I definitely made a lot of mistakes. And I was, you know, don't, <laughs> there's plenty that I did wrong. Um, but I was never made to feel like I wasn't good enough or smart enough if I hadn't figured something out on the first go round, it was always sort of, oh, well, what did you, what did you learn and what do you need to do now? So I always have this, I've always had this real freedom intellectually to fail because I've, I've never been scared of it. Now in my personal life, in terms of like leadership qualities, steadiness and poise and, you know, how presentable am I, you know, in that space, I get scared all the time. Mm-hmm. And so you mentioned that a, a friend of yours kind of encouraged you to start a career in the utility industry. What have you enjoyed about working in this industry and what keeps you in this industry? I love the fact that the service that we provide the public is a part of everyday life. I, I love feeling like I'm a part of something much bigger than myself. I'm a people person and the thought of, you know, when I was in college, I worked at Starbucks and it made me so happy to give everyone their coffee in the morning. It just brings me joy to, to know that I'm engaged in something that's relatively simple, but that makes people's lives a lot better. And this is a great space for me to be able to do that. And so where do you see utilities heading in the future? What are the opportunities and challenges that lie ahead? There's always going to be advancements in, in energy delivery. I think that the challenge is going to be staying relevant you know, and making sure that you continue to develop offerings that are a day-to-day sort of baseline part of that. And so that's going to, you know, over time require that the, the asset portfolio maybe shifts in nature a little bit. Just staying a part of that evolution, staying ahead of it. I mean, as long as we um, stay cognizant and, and, and evolve as, as energy delivery evolves, I think we'll be good. Hey there. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying this episode, there's a few quick things you can do to show your support. Subscribe so you never miss an episode. Leave me a comment letting me know your thoughts and share this podcast with friends and family. Thanks for your support. Now let's get back to the interview. And you mentioned that um, you, you trained as an industrial engineer. I imagine that would have been quite heavily male dominated. Would that be correct? Yes. It's well, you know, not any more than the others, though. You know, I would say we we might have had one or two more, you know, than you might have found, say, in civil, just because I think that the concept of being an efficiency expert is probably ties into a lot of more traditional female jobs, but definitely not a ton of females, no. And did did that ever make you question your decision, or did you always know that 
this is what you enjoyed and this is what you wanted to do? No, I always knew. I love reading and I love language, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I love math um, and engineering. My dad was an engineer and, you know, he definitely brought me up to be, you know, curious, you know, I'd ask him questions and he'd be like, well, why don't you go find it out? You know? And so I, I was always driven by my curiosity. All the women that I was raised around were very successful and educated, you know, so I, I, I never grew up with some belief that women or men, you know, did or didn't belong in any one place or another. So while there may have been more men than women, it, I don't know that it ever would have deterred me one bit. In fact, I went to um, an all girls high school and I was on our, I competed in like math and a couple of the science courses when we would do academic competitions. And a lot of times we would be, me and my friends would be some of the only women there, but we, we loved it. We thought mm. it gave us an advantage. So I don't know why we did, but it, it certainly was never um, something that intimidated us. I was never taught to be intimidated by that. So it, it always just felt fine to me. And so what challenges have you faced in getting to where you are today? You know, I do think one thing that can be very hard is balancing being a mom and and working. That's probably been my biggest challenge in terms of my career. It's critically important to me to have a great relationship with my children. Because of certain personality traits that I have, you know, being very like achievement oriented or perfectionist, um, that I was working too many hours, you know, earlier in my career. Um, And I did that for quite a while. Eventually, after I had kids, I had to reach a point where if I couldn't learn to set appropriate boundaries around the amount of time I spent working, then I wasn't going to be able to be the kind of mom that I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And I had to really think hard about, is this going to be an either or thing, or am I going to figure out how to be happy doing both? And and that's that's been a big challenge for me getting to where I am today, but I feel like that's been one that I have really learned to successfully navigate. Yeah. And is that about communicating those boundaries externally as well? So letting others know these are your boundaries? Yeah, absolutely. I communicate pretty openly about the fact that being a mom is extremely important to me. It's one of the most rewarding things I do. And if I can't feel good about that, I can't, I can't feel good at work. So I am very open with my bosses about the fact that my number one priority um, and any role that I have, aside from, of course, you know, delivering as much value as I possibly can and being of service in the best way possible. Besides those things, my value and my, my priority sort of all sits with work-life balance. Um, I, I, I mean, I communicate with my kids frequently. If I am um, taking a lot of calls from home or if I'm working late several nights, I'll check in with them and just kind of say, you know, how, how are you guys doing? Does it feel like you're not getting the time that you need? And, and you know, I ask if I'm pushing on their boundaries. You know, they, they have needs out of the relationship in the same way that I do, in the same way, you know, in any relationship, there are two people that, that have needs. And, and I'm very open with them about wanting them to communicate with me if, if they need more from me. And, you know, if, if there comes a time and there has once or twice where they've been like, yeah, you know, you seem pulled to work too much, then, you know, I have to, I have to set the boundary at work. And the interesting thing that I have found is that I have never gotten resistance when I set that boundary with work. It's it's really easy to listen to feedback from people sometimes, I think, and read into what they're saying and put nuance on it that's not there. So if I get feedback around my level of engagement with something, 
I tend to not tie that back to the fact that I wasn't working till 7 or 8 p.m. I, if, if there's something I need to work on and it can't be done for the most part in regular working hours, then I need to rethink the way I'm working. That doesn't mean for me that I need to work longer hours. Mm, yeah, yeah, fantastic. And I love what you said about talking to your kids around whether you're pushing on their expectations. Because um, a lot of the conversation we hear is around communicating at work and not so much the other way. So I, I really love that. As a leader as well, it's really important to set that example. Well, right, and especially if you want hypo contributors, and I see this some with men, I do feel like I see this more with women with real young children. If they burn out, they're out, they're out. Like they're gonna go, hopefully only for a little while, maybe for a long time, and you might lose them to another company. So there has to be a lot of open conversation around how are you doing? I mean, sometimes you can look at them and tell they haven't slept, right? Mm -hmm. When you have a little kid at home, sometimes you're not getting sleep. People have to be able to take care of themselves. People cannot show up at work, you know, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically just done and do well. And I wouldn't want that. I don't, that's not the kind of person that I am. I don't want to at all ever watch someone burning themselves out and not stop them and say, Hey, let's like, there's options, you know, there's, there's always options that allow you to take care of yourself and find joy and and find peace and and be where you want to be. Excellent. And what other advice would you have for women who are looking to make a career in utilities? I would say go for it. I mean, I, you know, I have heard women talk about feeling uncomfortable at times in male-dominated situations. Recently, someone mentioned that to me where she was in a meeting and and she's a um, a little bit younger than I am. And she looked around and she noticed that she was, you know, the only woman or one of two women in the room. And I, you know, I would just say, don't let that bother you. I know that that's an oversimplification, I think, for some people, but there's no reason that gender has to have anything to do with your voice and the value that you bring. And just because there's a bunch of men in the room doesn't mean that that you don't belong there. It doesn't invalidate your voice. It means nothing. So maybe you need to call and ask some of your friends to apply. I don't know. (laughs) And who or what has helped you to get to where you are today? Have you had mentors or role models or even champions that have helped you? Absolutely. So I would say I have several mentors. If you're receptive and you're open and are willing to kind of take take what people have to offer and really absorb it, you know, you can get really, I mean, you can really get far and you can really find yourself with a lot of amazing mentors. Everybody has, you know, strengths and we can get caught up in what we don't like about someone and and shut down and and not learn. If we can let everybody be human and understand that, you know, maybe they're they're not going to be perfect, that doesn't mean they don't have just an amazing amount to offer then you can have a ton of amazing mentors. There's so, you know, I just think there's a lot. I've, maybe I've just been lucky, but um, I've really been blessed to learn from a lot of really great people. And I continue to be blessed to learn from a lot of great people. And I think that that has helped me in my career. I think that's been a major gift for me in my career is the ability to keep learning. You know, and I believe in what I do. I love what I do. I don't do things that I don't love. Um, there's no reason to. And I've had a lot of people that I think believed in me too. Yeah, excellent. And do you pay that forward in terms of 
being a mentor, a role model, or even a champion to others in your organization? I hope so. You know, I, I most definitely always have the door open. I always take strong interest in the people who who I work with and do anything that I can to, to help them grow. I have been so lucky to have found so much happiness in my career and my family life. And um, I really want to sh- want to share that with other people. I want to give that away as much as I can. So I, I love talking with people um, who work for me or who don't work for me, just about what's going on with them and what challenges they're facing. So what's next on the horizon for you? I don't know. I, I've never been someone who, um, I always I've had like a couple of friends in my life who had a really well-defined, mapped out career path. And that's never really been me. I feel like I wake up and tomorrow's a brand new day and I never know what it's going to bring. I've kind of just sort of wandered my way in, in through my career. You know, I would have conversations where people would ask, what do you want to do next? What do you, you know, what do you, what do you like? And I was like, I don't know. I like people, you know, and there's people everywhere I go. So whatever comes next. I don't know. I'll have to wait and see. Sometimes I just feel kind of like I'm a passenger in a good way. I kind of sit back and let life take me where it goes. Yeah, I think it's really around finding that balance, right? Between having that long-term plan, but also being flexible and open to what opportunities might arise. Right. I mean, most of my career changes have been, you know what, I, I just this sort of sense of, you know, I think I'm done doing what I'm doing. What else is out there? And then kind of stumbling into the next thing. And I don't ever really know that I'm ready for the next thing till I get there. And it could be it could be one year or three years or five years, but I'll know when I get there. And typically when that happens, it's the right place and the right time for the next thing. And so what's your proudest achievement? And it could be something from your work or in your personal or community life. Um, you know, I had a lot of challenges that I worked through when I was younger. I definitely had an interesting past. And I think for me, as an adult, being someone who really enjoys and feels like they're good at being a mom and being a career woman and being a wife and and enjoying that has been really meaningful. I'm really happy to feel like I'm in a life that is very deliberate and, and, and deliberate about finding joy. You know, that kind of being a guidepost for me and, and doing what I believe is the right thing for me and what I believe is, you know, kind of what I was put here to do. It's so simple, like just being proud that I'm I'm happy and <laughs> functioning. But you know, I think sometimes that that can be a challenge for people. So I think for me, I'm 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 proud that I'm able to do that. Absolutely. Do you have a favorite book, or what are you reading now? I will say the most interesting book that I read last was, and I'm probably going to say his last name. Eckhart is it Eckhart Tolle or Eckhart Tolle? I don't remember. The Power of Now. I I very much get sort of drawn into how much the way that we perceive and frame things affects affects how we see the world. And I love reading about that because from my perspective, the more that I can be aware of that and sort of start peeling away the stories that I built about why things are the way they are in the world, um, the sort of the freer I am to be open to um, what is um, instead of my perception of what is. And so that book was just kind of all about that. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, Kate. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Sure. My pleasure. That's a wrap on another episode of the Women in Utilities podcast. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe, comment and share this podcast. 
I'll be back in another month with the next episode. But until then, keep powering on.